What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line today to break down our game against the Missouri Tigers this weekend is my longtime coach, Curtis. And guys, I know the Florida win was awesome. Let's start there. That was incredible. We all enjoy that, obviously. But while that was a lot of fun and certainly a huge step towards getting back to Atlanta, it really was only one step. We haven't clinched anything yet. What beating Florida did was it gave us a one-game lead in the division. That's really what it gave us. Sure, you can say that it gave us the inside track to winning the SEC East, and, and I guess that's true. But with one loss already on the resume, we still need to win at least two of our last three SEC games to truly clinch this thing. And one of those games very much needs to be this one against Missouri because Mizzou is still very much mathematically alive in the SEC East race, even though, yeah, I know, they can't actually play in the title game because of the postseason ban they are under this year, but you, you still know they want to win. They want to be called the SEC East champion. That's what they're playing for right now. Uh, they've got two losses, and they still have us in Florida on the schedule. If they win both of those games, and Missouri beats Tennessee at home and Arkansas at the end of the year, they're going to win this division, whether they can play in Atlanta or not. So not the easiest path for the Tigers, but Missouri still has a path mathematically. And much like the South Carolina game, the situation surrounding this game, it freaks me out, man. Maybe even more so than the situation surrounding that South Carolina game. We're absolutely, guys, I'm telling you, we are absolutely 100% going to get Missouri's best shot. I have no doubt in my mind that that's going to happen. I mean, at this point, we get just about everybody's best shot. Now, you guys know that. With where Kirby's taking our program, we get everyone's best shot. But it's not just that. And it's not just the fact that they're coming off of a bye week, which by itself is, is tough enough, but it's the fact that Missouri is coming off two losses to teams they had no business losing to coming into the bye week. They obviously want to rectify those two losses. And much like we did going into the Florida game, and much like South Carolina did going to our game, they have had a bye week to let that criticism marinate and work up the motivation to just shut people up. We saw that last week. For two-plus weeks, we've heard about how terrible our offense is, how we have no chance to win the SEC, no chance to get back to Atlanta for the the third straight season. And all we did was spend that bye week listening to all that, soaking it all in, and using that as motivation to come out and try to shut people up. And we saw what happened on Saturday. Missouri's in a very similar situation. And, And you also have to at least consider the possibility that we come out flat after that big emotional victory over Florida. I've seen it work both ways. I've seen a big victory like that kind of catapult a team and help them build momentum heading through the rest of the season. But I've also seen the flip side of that, where you kind of feel like you've arrived, you got comfortable, you got a little bit of a big head, and you're not focusing on a team that people aren't talking about as much as they were talking about Florida. So I I don't know. I don't know which way it's going to go. I like to believe that Kirby and company will get our guys prepared to play, and and that won't be an issue. But you just never know when you're talking about 18 to 22-year-old guys. And I've been pointing to this game since the preseason as the quintessential trap game on this year's schedule, given that it's sandwiched right between games between two of our traditional rivals in Florida and Auburn. It's obviously going to be easy to overlook them. Again, I hope that Kirby and company, and I trust Kirby to not let that happen. I really do. But it would be foolish not to think that it's at least a possibility that that could happen. This is certainly a, a trap game scenario. And I know you're probably all just shaking your head at me right now. I am fully aware that I have more than a little bit of Larry Munson in my blood, but the situation, it does concern me. Just like the situation against South Carolina concerned me, and I told you guys coming to that game. South Carolina coming into that game, 
off of a bye after a slow start to the season. Their coach is feeling the heat. Their team's getting ragged on in the local press. And they had nothing to lose coming to Athens as the massive underdog against a top five opponent. And it played out that way. I hope to God that we've learned our lesson and it doesn't play out that way this time. This is a night game, which does factor in, and that should help us to help the crowd be a little more into this one. But uh, there, there are some reasons to at least be concerned about how this game sets up. But I know you guys are tired of hearing me freak out, so enough of me freaking out. Let's go ahead and get into the actual matchups. And to help me do just that, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my man Curtis. And we're going to start with the Missouri offense. I'm going to give you guys some general stats here about the Missouri offense, and we'll get into the specific matchups. So starting here at the top, uh, Missouri right now is sixth in the SEC in scoring offense, averaging 31.8 points a game. They're fourth in the league in total offense, averaging 428 yards a game, down a little bit from the past couple years. There was a stretch there where they were number one and two in the league for a couple years in a row, pushing right around 500 yards a game. So a little bit down from that number. They're seventh in the league in yards per play at 5.81, 60th in offensive efficiency. They're 23rd in offensive first down rate and 59th in offensive touchdown rate. What that tells me, that the first down rate versus touchdown rate, is that they do a good job. They're pretty efficient moving the ball between the 20s. But when they get in the red zone, they're struggling a little bit to consistently score touchdowns. But let's get into the actual specific matchups. And we're going to start with the Missouri passing game versus our pass defense. Right now, Missouri is fifth in the SEC, averaging 244 yards a game through the air. And they are also averaging 7.8 yards per pass. And matching up with that Missouri passing game, our pass defense right now, we are ranked fourth in the SEC and 24th nationally, giving up 190 yards a game. We're third in the league in yards per attempt allowed and third in the SEC in touchdowns allowed. So those are the numbers. In terms of their personnel, Kelly Bryant, we all know, is their transfer quarterback coming over from Clemson. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury the past couple of weeks. He actually first aggravated a couple of weeks ago before the bye week against Kentucky, actually their last game before the bye week. It was in the first quarter. I actually picked Missouri to win that football game, and he comes up lame in the first quarter trying to scramble out of bounds, and he kind of grabs the back of his leg, grabs his hamstring, and I sat there, and I was like, well, this game's over. That pick's lost. He actually tried to play a couple more series, tried to tough it out, but you could see he was entirely limited. He couldn't scramble around, couldn't do anything that makes him Kelly Bryant. So he went into the bye week, dealing with that injury. There was a little bit of uncertainty over the weekend regarding whether or not he was actually going to play in this game. The line for this game was actually held up a little bit, didn't get released until late Sunday night because the guys in Vegas were just unsure. They were unclear about whether he was going to play or if he did play, how healthy he was going to be. So that's something that he has been dealing with over the past couple of weeks. But the most recent news coming out of Columbia is that Kelly Bryant has been taking most of the snaps with the first team this week and head coach Barry Odom. It seems like he feels pretty confident he is going to give it a go this week. How healthy he'll be, we don't know. But it seems like he is now in line to play in this game. Kurt, when healthy, how well has Kelly Bryant been playing for this Missouri football team? I mean, he's done a good job for the most part. I think he's been uh, a good job of completing passes and also willing to run the ball um i think that after losing drew lock who's more of a pocket passer this one i think kelly bryant brings a little bit of balance in the run game uh compared to also being formidable in the passing game do you think he is the type of quarterback that can beat us with his arms i think you mentioned drew lock the past couple years i think 
he was the kind of guy that you would say, yeah, he can beat you with his arm. And when you game plan for that Missouri offense, Drew Locke was number one in terms of the guys you had to prepare for. Like we always talk about making teams play left-handed. You want to take away Drew Locke's ability to hit vertical passes down the field. But with Kelly Bryant, do they show that same ability? Is he a guy that can beat you with his arm? I don't think that he's one that if you had to choose between the two, if he was just going to sit there and beat you with his arm. That's not what you think. And I don't – yeah, that's I, I don't think that he's the one that you have the game plan for him just to beat you with his arm. But what about Simple. with – you mentioned his ability to, to run the football. What that does from dual threat quarterbacks is it makes the coverages they're going to see a little bit more predictable because it kind of limits what you can do because you have to account for the quarterback in the run game. Does that concern you all, the fact that we might not be able to get as exotic with our coverages as we tend to like to do because we have to account for Kelly Bryant in the run game? Um, not as much. I mean, look at Ian Book. Um, you know, I mean, he's not as athletic as Kelly Bryant is, but he was still a threat to run the ball, especially on third downs and things like that. So we had the game plan for that. So, I mean, and I think he is a better passer than what you saw in Kelly Bryant. Yeah. Uh, Ian, you think Ian Book's a better passer than Kelly Bryant? I would, I would tend to think so. I would, if Ian Book is on, Book gets streaky at times. He could, he, he's, he could be better than Brian. I think I would put them right about the same level, to be honest. But you can make the argument for Book, when he, especially when he's on. Well, if you look at Brian statistically right now, he's sixth in the league in completion percentage. He's completing right at about 62% of his passes, which is good. That's solid. Um, he's fourth in the league with 203 yards a game through the air. His completion percentage numbers are down a little bit from his full year as a starter with Clemson a couple years ago. But – I think a part of that is that they are they, they still take shots down the field. That's still a lot of what Missouri wants to do. That's part of their offense. Clemson, I don't want to say they were dinking and dunking all over the place, but they were throwing a lot of screens, throwing the ball horizontally a lot, trying to get the ball to the playmakers in space. A little bit of a different scheme uh, at Clemson versus what he's doing at Missouri. But his yards per pass are up a little bit. They're up one point, actually more than one, up 1.2 yards per pass. So, again, he's throwing the ball down the field vertically a little bit more because that's what they asked their quarterbacks to do with this Missouri offense. And, and that the flip side of that is that your completion percentage numbers are going to be down a little bit because you don't have as many of the quick, easy throws to kind of rack up those completion percentage numbers. Uh, but I think he's done a good job. I had a question coming into the year, like how he was going to fit with what Missouri likes to do offensively. Were they going to adjust their offense to fit him? Were they going to try to fit him in what they do? Is there going to be kind of a meeting of the minds there and do a little bit of both kind of merging the two? Uh, and I, I think we've seen that. They, they've tried to fit in uh, some, some of the things that Kelly Bryant does well. But uh, Derek Dooley, as far as I know, was one of the things I was saying coming to the season was he hasn't really worked with a quarterback like Kelly Bryant with that skill. So the guy that's a true dual threat quarterback. So I was curious to see what that offense might look like. And they're still trying to do a lot of the same stuff. Like I said, pushing the ball down the field, getting guys in space. But they're also trying to take advantage of what Kelly Bryant does well. And along with him, are a couple of guys that you certainly have to watch for. They don't have necessarily the big-name wide receiver that they've had in the past, a guy like Emmanuel Hall, but they still have some guys that can certainly make plays for for them all over the field. So, Kurt, who are the major threats that we need a game plan for when getting ready for Missouri? I think that jumps out of you right away is more than likely probably Jalen Knox. Yeah, he, uh, and he was the guy that was a true freshman last year that really made some plays. And I was expecting him to have a bigger year this year. And he's been good. He has, you're right, he's been good. But I was expecting maybe a, a more a more of a breakout year from him. Um, and then the two others, I mean, you have Cam Scott. And then you also, of course, have Albert O. Oh, Albert O, dude. Like, I, we just played what people are now calling the best tight end in, in, in the league, right? And Kyle Pitts. But Albert O, for the past year or so, two years really, it's kind of had that – 
kind of had that title. Like, how do you think he compares to a guy like Kyle Pitts? Are they similar? In what I they think do? Albert O is a more complete tight end. Um, I think that's the difference in their game. He's a complete tight end that can block and do everything in line, where Kyle Pitts is your new age um, receiving tight end. I totally agree with that. Albert O is a bigger guy. He runs about 255 pounds compared to Kyle Pitts, right around 235, maybe 240. He's, he's more of a – like, where he's most effective – is in the red zone. I mean, he's a 6'5", 255 guy. Like you said, he's more of a guy of a true, like, I don't want to say throwback tight end, because he can also spread out and do things in the passing game as well. I mean, absolutely he can. But he also has that ability to play in line and, and contribute more to the blocking game than what Kyle Pitts gives them right now. But he is a true red zone threat. Right now he's got he's only got 18 catches this year, but for 250 yards and six touchdowns. Five of his six touchdowns have come in the red zone. Three of those six touchdowns have come inside the five-yard line. When they get in the red zone, guys, first and foremost, they are looking for Albert O. And I'm going I'm to try to pronounce his last name here. All right, I'm going I'm to look at this as I'm trying to pronounce it because I always have trouble with this. Albert Okawegbanom. Does that sound right, Kurt? We're going to go with that? Uh, that's the best I got. We're going to stick with Albert O on this show because I don't want to sound like a fool any more than I already do. So Albert O, he's certainly a guy. I, I think he's the number one guy you've got to watch for. When this with this Missouri passing game, he doesn't have the, the most receptions, he doesn't have the most yards. But when they get in scoring territory, Albert O is still their guy. When they need a third down, I'm telling you, they're gonna go to Albert O. That's the guy they're gonna be looking for. We gotta find a way to take him away. Uh, you mentioned Knox; he's been really good. The guy this year that's kind of come on as maybe their big play threat, averaging 16.2 yards per catch, is a guy named Jonathan Nance. He got 307 yards on the year, three touchdowns. Another guy to watch for that concerns me is Jonathan Johnson. He he operates out of the slot. He's a true prototypical slot receiver in the vein of a Freddie Swain type guy that we saw last week. And we know some of the issues we had defending him. He has 29 catches on the year. He's actually leading them in terms of overall receptions for 294 yards. Tyler Beatty is another guy you got to watch out for. He's a kind of a jack-of-all-trades running back. They really like to get him involved in the pass game. On the season, he's got 22 catches for 297 yards from that running back position. Against Kentucky, he broke one for about 80-plus yards and uh, just completely ran away from that Kentucky defense. He's a dangerous guy when he gets out in space. So you got to prepare for him as well. The, the thing that kind of stands out to me about this wide receiver group for Missouri is that they are they are small. Outside of Albert O, they are absolutely small. They have no wide receiver over 6'2". Four of their top six wide receivers, they're six foot, five nine, five ten, and six feet. Now, then you do have Albert O. That's why he's the red zone target. They don't have another guy that can go up and get those 50-50 balls, those back shoulder fades, go up and win the, the fade in the back of the end zone. They don't have those guys outside of Albert O. So he's that's why I think he's been such a target for them in the red zone, a guy that we're still going to have to watch for in that offense. I will say, going back to Kelly Bryant in this passing game in general, I think Bryant's been maybe a little bit more competent in that offense as a passer than I anticipated. I don't know what my expectations were. I was just curious to kind of see what it would be like. But I think he has been a better passer than what I thought he would be in this offense coming into the year. Uh, I, I'm very concerned. The one thing I'm very concerned about right now is their ability to hurt us from the slot. We saw that last week. It wasn't last, last week was not the first time we saw that. It's just the most recent time we saw it. Maybe the, the, the starkest issue that we had in any given game with Kyle Pitts and then, of course, Freddie Swain from that slot position. They ate us alive in that second half. They almost came back and won the game after we pretty much dominated the first three and a half quarters. Jonathan Johnson might not be as explosive as Freddie Swain, but he is a prototypical slot receiver. He's been around for a long time. He's played a lot of football and he knows how to, how to operate from that position. Then Albert O of course, 
we just went over how how much of a threat he can be in the red zone. And we're going to have to find a way to defend those guys. You know, Mark Webb, we know some of the issues he had last week. Uh, he was targeted seven times, gave up five catches for a little for a little over 70 yards. So for me, that's the big concern. I think we can handle them on the outside. I feel pretty good about that. It's that slot position, whether it's Jonathan Johnson or Albert O lining up out there. Those are the two guys that give me a lot of concern in this particular matchup. And before we move on, I do want to remind you guys about our friends at Vivid Seats. I know it's probably a little too late to find some tickets for the Missouri game this weekend, but we still have a couple of big games left down the stretch as we try to clinch the SEC East. Obviously, we have the big rivalry matchup on the Plains against Auburn next. We've got Texas A&M coming to town for the first time since they joined the league. And then, of course, we have to travel to Atlanta to finish the season against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. So plenty of big games left on the schedule. And if you're looking for tickets, Vivid Seats is 100% the place to go. They have the best selection, the best prices. You get exactly what you're looking for if you check out Vivid Seats today. And they're actually enrolling fans automatically in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program as soon as you go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. So you can earn credit points back for every ticket purchase. And by the way, each of those ticket purchases is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So when it's time to buy, when you're ready to pull the trigger, new users enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. But let's flip over to the Missouri Rush offense versus our Rush defense. Right now, Missouri's Offense is averaging 184 yards a game on the ground. That's good for seventh in the SEC, but only averaging 4.35 yards per rush, which is only 11th in the league. They do run the football a lot, guys. I know that's kind of a a reversal from what they've done in the past. They've been more pass-heavy with guys like Drew Locke, but this year they have the third most rush attempts per game in the SEC. They run the ball 57% of the time right now, which, guys, by the way, that's exactly as much as we run it. So as much as we like to run the football, Missouri likes to do it just as much. So, Kurt, we've been really strong against the run this year. But Missouri, like, they had a lot of success. I know it's a different year, different team, different demons. I get that. But they did have a lot of success against us last year, rushing for 172 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. They want to run the football. I just laid that out. They run the football 57% of the time. How do you see this matchup playing out, Kirk? Because our defense has been really good against the run. We're top five nationally against the run, but this is what Missouri wants to do. How do you see us matching up? Um, I see it being a good matchup. I think the biggest thing is I think that's why you've seen the uh, the staff and Bud Smear really challenging the defense, as it seems, because I think they know this game is going to be decided down in the trenches with our run defense. You mean like running around with signs saying you give up 172 yards and four touchdowns rushing last year? Yep. Yeah, do that kind of thing. Yeah, that, Kirby's not going to let them forget about that. And people, I, I know it's been a while, but think back to last year, there were people kind of wringing their hands about how many yards we gave, gave up to them on the ground last year. Now, part of that was just schematically what we were trying to do. Drew Locke was still in that offense. They still had Emmanuel Hall. They were still trying to push the ball down the field. So we wanted to, number one, take that away from them. That's what we wanted to do. So we played, we were hell-bent on playing with two high safeties all game long. So even if they had a little success around the football, which they did, we were not going to roll a safety down because it, it our, from our perspective, it was very simple. If, if you can go 10, 12 plays down the field and run the football down our throat and score, more power to you. We're not going to give you the easy one-play 70-yard touchdown pass. That's not going to happen. So uh, I think that was more the issue last year. And this year, we have been much, much better against the run. Like I said, we're top five nationally. Last year, we had our issues. We, we actually ended this season pretty good inside the top 40. But this year, we've taken a massive step there. 
There's a couple guys to watch out for. I mentioned Tyler Beatty as, as a running back. That's a threat out of the backfield in the passing game, but he also can be a threat on the ground as well. He's a, a little smaller, shiftier guy than Larry Roundtree, who's their feature back. Roundtree on the year, he's got 644 yards and is averaging right at about just a little under five yards in attempt. Tyler Beatty has got 342 yards in the year, two touchdowns. And this is a pretty stark number for me. If you look at the, the home road splits. They're out, and this is actually not even home roasts, but wins versus losses. They're averaging 216 yards rushing in games that they've won in their five wins, but they're only averaging 130 yards rushing in their three losses. So what that tells me is when they have success running the football, they're winning football games. When they're struggling to run the football, they're not winning football games. Sounds a lot like us, to be honest with you. Uh, and you mentioned Kelly Bryant, Curtis, earlier in terms of his ability to run the football. Like, how much of a factor has he really been this year on the ground for them? Not as much as you would expect. Yeah, that's exactly what I have in my notes. I, he, he's like, it's kind of weird. He's been more of a factor in the passing game and more efficient there than I thought he would be in this Missouri offense. But he hasn't been as dangerous in the run game, at least not been as uh, featured as much in the run game as I thought he would at this point. Right now, he's only got 205 yards rushing, uh, which is that's a, that's a pretty stark departure from what he was doing when he was at Clemson, where he had almost 700 yards rushing that one full year that he was a starter. Part of it may be because, you know, in this age of the transfer portal, they don't really feel comfortable in their options behind him. That's certainly possible, so they don't want to get the guy injured. But I will say this, like, when if the game is on the line, if they need a first down badly in a third down situation, I still say you have to prepare for Kelly Bryant to run the football because I think they'll use him in spot situations like that. But he's he really has not been a feature part of their rushing game. Now, they'll run a little zone read. They, they'll, they'll run some quarterback power at times, but again, just not as extensively as I thought they would in the past. It's still Larry Roundtree's kind of the feature back. Tyler Bate kind of sprinkled in there in certain situations. So I, they, they've been fine here. They really have, but they've taken a step back from last year in their rushing game, which kind of, given, like we were talking about, given Kelly Bryant's background, that, that's surprising. I thought their rushing game would be a little bit more effective, a little more successful this year. Last year, they averaged 202 yards a game and 4.76 yards per carry this year they're only averaging 184 yards a game and 4.25 yards a carry it's not like a dramatic drop off but they just haven't been quite as good on the ground as they were last year but they still are hell been on running the football 57 percent of the time so uh they're going to do that they're going to try to and we're going to have to be prepared to go ahead and do what it takes to stop that rushing attack so kurt we've broken down the missouri pass game and the rush game if you're kirby smart if you're a dan landing company what is your focus in attacking this missouri offense um, I'm, I think I'm going to attack the run game, uh, honestly, because, as you said, they're very stubborn and trying to get it going. Um, so it's very similar to the Florida game. If you can take them completely out of that run game, then you put them in a position where they're not uh, – you're making yeah. them play left-handed, especially with this team where Florida is a better passing team. That's not the case as much with Missouri. Yeah, that's again, that's exactly what I have in my notes. You have guys, you have to make teams play left handed. Like, as a defensive coordinator, this is what defensive coordinators do. I'm just telling you guys from experience what they do is they look at what teams do best and they figure out how can we take that away. You can't take away everything, but you have to make them beat you with with their with their non dominant hand, right? Or whatever. You have to make them beat you doing things that they don't particularly do well. And Missouri is still a run first team. So, you're exactly right, Curtis. You've got to figure out a way to take that away first. But honestly, what I would say, how we are with how we're playing the run right now, I will come out with our nickel defense because like, they still like to operate out of spread eleven personnel, and I would see if we can stop their rushing attack with our front six. That's what I would come out doing to see, just to see, can we slow them down with our front six? We've had a lot of success doing that pretty much all year long. 
So let's come out and see if this is another game where we feel confident and comfortable in our ability to go ahead and stop them without having to roll a safety down the box and open ourselves up to some issues against the pass. Because what that does, if we can keep two safeties deep, it gives us freedom to do some things with our coverages to take away a guy like Albert O and maybe provide some help to whoever it is that's playing star, whether it's Mark Webb or Devon Wilson, when they're going to be matched against Albert O or Jonathan Johnson, who are the two guys I just mentioned in the passing game that we've got to game plan for. And you got you certainly have to take away Albert O in the red zone and on third downs. In those situations, I 100% bracket him. I know that means you're going to have man coverage elsewhere. I get that. But you've got to take away Albert O. I mean, seriously, three out of his six touchdowns on the year have come with inside the five-yard line, five of six inside the red zone. That is where they're going to go. You've got to find a way to take him away. Um, but even though Bryant is still is dealing with an injury in the run game here, I, you still have to account for him in the run game. I know the hamstring's been an issue for him, and, and maybe they're going to be hesitant to run him. But to me, like if the guy's healthy enough to go out there, you, you got to find ways to to use his legs because that is what makes him different. That's what can make – I don't want to say he can make him special, but can make him a dangerous quarterback to deal with. So when, when, you're, when we're rushing the quarterback, you see us do this a lot when we're facing mobile quarterbacks with Kirby Smart. Go with the mush rush, squeeze him in the pocket, be very disciplined in how we rush the passer, and be very careful. Like we're gonna we're gonna stunt. We do we, we stunt a lot, especially on third down. But we need to be very careful with the stunts that we run up front and how much we run some of those things because that what that can do when you stunt like that, it can get guys out of position, open up those natural lanes for Kelly Bryant. If we have everyone covered, you can open up those rushing lanes for him to take off and convert a third and long situation with his legs when that doesn't need to happen. So that's kind of what I would do here. I would come out in our nickel package because they're probably going to come out with some 11 personnel. I'd match up there, and I would try to stop the run with our front six. I would mix up zone and man, do a couple different things, try to keep them off balance, obviously take away Albert O in the red zone, and then be very careful and disciplined with how we rush Kelly Bryant because you don't want to give him any opportunity to just take off and really kind of just gut you with those third and long scrambles. That, that is something that we cannot allow to happen. But uh, let's go ahead and move over to the other side of the ball and talk about this Missouri defense, which has been really, really good this year. Missouri offense has been solid. They've been good. But it's the defense that for a while there had them at the top of the SEC East. Right now, they're still second in the SEC and 11th nationally in total defense. They're actually only 13 yards behind our defense in total yards allowed and one one-hundredth of a yard behind us in yards per play allowed. They're fifth in the league in scoring defense, giving up 18 points a game. This is a good Missouri defense. We need to respect them. Uh, but let's talk about how our rushing offense matches up specifically against the Missouri rush defense. Right now, they're not, they're, they've been solid against the run. It's really lately they've had some issues. Early in the year, they, they were really good. But right now, they're seventh in the league in rush defense, giving up 136 yards a game. But through five weeks, they were number one in the league in rush defense. But over the last three games, they've given up a total of 651 yards rushing to Ole Miss, Vandy, and Kentucky, which I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. Those aren't. Those are three teams that are really struggling right now. They're not very good. I'd say certainly in the bottom port, the bottom third of the league. Um, so that that is something that's it's kind of interesting because what happened is after giving up 297 yards to Wyoming, they went four straight games, giving up only 38 yards rushing a game and only 1.2 yards a rush. And then Kale Garrett, their star inside linebacker, who was having a hell of a year, like an all-American caliber type year. He tore his pectoral, and he's out for the year. And since that point, 
that's when they've struggled against the run. That's when Ole Miss came. That's when Vandy came. That's when Kentucky came. And they have been very bad against the run over those last three games. So, Kurt, I'm curious what your take is here. When teams have sold out against the run, we've had our issues at times consistently finding success on the ground. Like, we only averaged four yards a rush against South Carolina, only 3.2 yards a rush last week against Florida. So teams with good fronts have given us issues when they sell out to stop the run. My question for you, though, Kurt, is does Missouri have the pieces in their front seven to do what teams like Florida and South Carolina were able to do to our run game? Uh, no, they don't. I think it is the loss of Kale Garrett because most of the one thing that all those teams had in common is they had some experience on the back end, especially the linebacker position, that helped them because th- that was their second um, – the second part of the defense would step up, and that's where, you know, especially if, once we get by that, that's where we can make some big plays and stuff. So if, especially if we go out there and attack them on the edge, then I think we will be fine because that they don't really have that tackling machine that's going to be able to make the plays out there. Now, Kale Garrett, he, he's one of those guys that seems like he's been there for like 28 years. But he's out for the year. And, like, I've been critical of him in the past. I didn't think he was the most athletic linebacker. I thought he was a liability out there in coverage and you run silent sideline. But he was, like, going back and watching what they were doing early in the year defensively, that guy was playing lights out. Like, truly, at least, at the very least, all SEC caliber. Like, pushing for all American caliber. Like, that guy was killing it. And him going out has been a massive issue for them uh, against the run. And, uh, to me, like, that really is the issue. There's nothing else that's really changed. And, like, Ole Miss has run the ball well with, with John Rice Plumley, But Vandy, I, I know Keyshawn Vaughn is there, but, like, they have not had a lot of success running the football this year. Kentucky, I, I know they, they throw Lynn Bowden in the game, and that kind of changes up their, their ground game. It's not kind of a non-traditional rushing attack. But still, like, they carved them up. A week after we held Lynn Bowden to under 100 yards rushing, he goes for over 200 against that Missouri uh, that Missouri defense. So they've struggled when Kale Garrett went out. Like to me, that is the issue. And, and they have a couple other guys that are really like Jordan Elliott. That dude up front, the defensive line, uh, he's really good. Uh, he's maybe not quite as dominant a guy as like maybe uh, a Derek Brown at Auburn, but he's not far off that. He's a really good player up front. He's quick. He's powerful. Uh, and the guy filling in for Kale Garrett. Is, don't get me wrong, he's not as good as Garrett was, or he would have been playing over Garrett. I'm just talking, I just went over to how great I think Kale Garrett was playing. So Nick Bolton is not Kale Garrett. But what, what I think he gives him is maybe a little bit more a little bit more athleticism than what Garrett gave. And I think he's going to be a really good player. He's not quite as instinctive as Garrett right now. He's not as knowledgeable. He doesn't play quite as fast. He doesn't really understand necessarily the, the whole defense yet because he's still a really young player. as a sophomore, hasn't played a ton because Garrett's just been eating up all the downs. But he is an athletic guy, but, and I, I think he's going to be good. Maybe not quite there yet, but he's a guy that I think if, if he can kind of just figure out over the bye week a little bit more what's going on defensively, he's a guy that could potentially give us some issues. But, look, I, they were good at, at times in, against the run this year, but right now I, I, I would still give the edge to our offensive line, our running game against this Missouri rush defense, especially without Kale Garrett. Before we get to our next matchup, I do want to make sure to remind you guys about our friends at MyBookie.ag. November is one of the great sports months of the year. Of course, we've got the dogs this week favored over Missouri by 17 points right now, but it's not just college ball lines. They've got all the football, college hoops now, NBA, NHL, golf, racing, you name it. My bookie is the place to get in on the action. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, Try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, 
Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. And guys, I've made a fair amount of money over the past couple years betting on some of these parlays where there's a couple games each week that I feel pretty confident in. So take your shot there if you see a couple games you like, but they've got a lot more options as well. They've got props, they've got futures, they've got in-game betting, they've got halves, they've got everything you could ever look for in a sports betting website. So if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use the promo code OVERTIME to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of my bookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right. Now, the other part of this equation is our passing offense against the Missouri pass defense. And this is really where this Missouri defense excels and where they're still excelling, at least are excelling, at least according to the stats. They're first in the SEC and fourth nationally in passing defense, giving up only 144 yards a game through the air. They're third nationally in yards per attempt allowed, giving up only 5.5 yards per attempt. Fourth nationally in completion percentage allowed. They're only allowing 49% of the passes against them to be completed. But they're only 70th nationally in sack rate, which is really – like, that's impressive to me. Like, they're not doing a great job of affecting the quarterback, but they're still putting up those numbers against the pass. Um, now, I do have to throw this in there. I don't want to disparage them too much here. I don't want to discount what they've done because they've been really good against the pass. But they also haven't really faced many teams that can do much in the air at all. The average passing offense they face has been ranked 88th nationally. Four of those passing offenses have actually ranked 105th nationally or worse. And Troy, Troy is the best passing offense they face. I think Troy's top 10 nationally in passing offense. But if you take out Troy, which is kind of the outlier, the other six FBS offenses they have faced have been ranked on average 100th nationally. So yes, they've put up some really good numbers against the pass, but I, I think it might be at least slightly misleading because they just really haven't played anyone that can hurt you through the air. But, Kurt, we discovered our passing game last week. But statistically, Missouri, their pass defense, I know everyone talks about how good Florida's pass defense is, but statistically, Missouri's pass defense has actually been better than what Florida has done throughout this year. How do you see this matchup playing out? Um, I still think we're going to attack them. You know, they have a lot of experience in the back end, um, as did Florida. And I think the thing that's going to help us is, once again, our offensive line, hopefully for the most part, like they did against Florida, who – had a very strong pass rush, and we were able to give Jake time. So if we can go out there and give Jake time, um, it doesn't matter how experienced they are or how good they may be in the back end. If you have time, you're still going to get some completions. Yeah, I feel like that's that's exactly what's going to happen here. If we can protect Jake Fromm, I've said this many times throughout the year, if you protect Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm can be lethal. There's no doubt about that. So that is encouraging me, the fact that they're 70th nationally in sack rate. I, I feel like Jake Fromm, if, if he's kept clean, our offensive line showed that we have the ability to do that against a very, very good pass rush unit that Florida put out there on the field last weekend. If we can keep him clean, as good as Missouri's been statistically, I still feel like we can have enough success against against this Missouri secondary. And to me, that's going to be a big key in this game. They do like to mix up coverages a lot. I think like they'll play some man, they'll play some zone. I think they prefer to play zone when it comes down to it. Because what they like to do is they like to have their cornerbacks to kind of sit back, read the quarterback, and break on the ball. They actually have four pick sixes on the year, guys, and that's huge. I think there was a stretch there early in the year where they had a pick six in each in, in like four straight games, something like that. But they've been really good there. And they're led by Demarcus Acey at cornerback. 
he's a really good corner, like, an, like an, a potential all-SEC caliber type cornerback. Tyree Gillespie is a really good safety. Uh, it hurt them when he miss, had to miss the first half against Kentucky. They kind of got in a hole there because his backup was just not up to it all. He's missing tackles all over the place, taking horrible angles. Once Gillespie came back in the game in the second half, you didn't see Kentucky break off as many of those chunk runs as they were doing the first half. It was just a little too late. Um, in that game for them for it to make much of a difference because Kentucky like, jumped out to an early lead in that game. But AC and Gillespie, I think are the two guys you really got to watch out for in that secondary. Those are guys playing at the highest level for them. They're going to mix up coverages, but that's okay. They're going to try to confuse Jake. That's fine. Everyone tries to do that, but I, I still feel confident in our guy again, especially if we can keep him clean. Because this Missouri, like it's strange. Like For so many years, that Missouri defense, they had an elite pass rusher, whether it was Shane Ray or – uh, Michael Sam, Marcus Golden, all those guys. It seemed like they had this, this succession of guys year after year after year, sometimes more than one guy on the same defense that was just a, a terror off the edge. And it's been a couple of years now since they had a guy like that. And this year, like that was a goal for them coming into the year was to find a guy that can rush the passer. And they just haven't quite found that guy yet. So I think that kind of bodes well for us because if we can keep Jake clean, like I said, I really like our chances to at least hit enough plays in the passing game. But uh, all right, now that we've looked at the Missouri defense, Kurt, we saw signs of progress last week against Florida for our offense. Signs that we were at least willing to make the necessary adjustments. Looking forward to this Saturday's game against Missouri, how would you attack this Missouri Tiger defense? Um, honestly, I'm going to try to use the run to open up the pass because I don't believe that the front seven is going to be very strong in stopping the run. Um, but at the same time, I'm also going to want to come out throwing an early down so that you're not potentially in throwing situations where the defense is sitting there ready for it with their experience back there. So you got to try to be able to catch, you know, balance it out and catch them off guard and also just find some good matchups. And that's what I'm saying, especially if you get it in early downs when they're going to be out there trying to sell out to stop the run. That's when you want to be able to use play action or other places when you have good matchups out there. Yeah, absolutely. Love what you're going with there. I, I think what we have to do is just build off what we started to do last week. And do more of that. Look, Missouri's going to play. We know what they're going to do because we know what everybody's going to do against us. They try to sell against the run, and behind that, they play a lot of man and or cover three. The big play that uh, Lawrence Cager hit, the 52-yard touchdown reception, that was against cover three. That's what teams do because what cover three does is it allows you to keep your structural integrity against the pass but also get another guy in the box. So we see a lot of that. We see a lot of man coverage. Um, so that's what we're going to see against Missouri. There's no doubt there. Against man – I, I, what I what we saw last week was very encouraging. We call a lot of in and out breaking routes, let us run away from coverage rather than having to throw in these really tight windows of the back shoulder fade or over the top. I, we saw that last week. I want to see more of that this week. And when they run cover three, let's go the out breaking routes. That's where cover three is weak. And Jake is as good as anybody in the country at throwing those out breaking routes. Uh, I do also want to see us run the football more out of spread looks. Jordan Elliott is their best player in the front seven right now. It was Kale Garrett. Without him, it's Jordan Elliott. So for me, I want to take him out of the game by attacking the edges as much as we can. And we can't do that exclusively. But I would attack the edges even more than we have in the past couple of games. And we have made more of a concerted effort to do that going back to the Kentucky game. That's something in this game I think would, would make a lot of sense. We got a guy, a game, a, a potential game changing kind of guy on the interior with Jordan Elliott. You don't need to run right at that guy. And like you said there, Curse, I would try to establish the run early. I think we can have some success against this Missouri front seven, especially without Kale Garrett. And uh, once you establish a run, start to work in some play action off that. Jake is really good at play action. We really made Florida pay off that last week. And I, I would think that would make a lot of sense to do it again. This week now, play action can sometimes take longer to develop. You kind of open yourself up to some pass rush situations there. But again, without Missouri having that elite pass rusher off the edge, uh, it just makes a lot of sense to try to hit some play action shots down the field. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, all right, before we get out of here, we do want to make sure to get to our three, two, one segment that we like to do each week, which is where we give you three reasons to be confident, two reasons to be concerned, and one key to the game. So, Kurt, I'm going to let you start us off here. Give me your three reasons to be confident in our dogs to get the win on Saturday. Um, number one, I'm going to go with our offensive line. Um, I, you know, we talked about how that's going to be a matchup in our favor, I believe. So I think that's one reason you have to feel confident. Um, number two, I am going to go with momentum. You, um, you know, you're coming off a big Florida win. You hope to carry the momentum over and not be down. Um, so that's I'm going to try to look at it in a positive manner. And then number three, I'm going to go with our defense. I think our defense matches up well against their offense and what they want to do because this isn't the same explosive Missouri offense that we were accustomed to seeing um, before Drew Locke and people like that. I like it, man. I like it. I'm going to start off with something I think is – it's just – it's crazy. It's very stark when you look when you're breaking down this Missouri team. They are five and zero at home, in zero and three on the road, and it's it doesn't just stop there. Like how they play at home and how they play on the road, the difference is dramatic. At home, they're averaging forty point four yards a game or forty point four points a game. On the road, they're only scoring on average seventeen point three points a game. That's a minus twenty three point one differential on the road. That's crazy. For and give you a comparison, guys, we're only minus three point five points per game uh, on the road versus at home. So minus twenty three for Missouri. That's crazy stuff. A total offense, they're averaging 461 yards a game at home, only 373 yards on the road. That's a minus 88 differential. Again, for comparison's sake, we're actually we're actually doing better. Our offense has been more productive away from Athens than it has here between the hedges. We're a plus 8.9 yards on the road or at a neutral site. Uh, yards per play offensively, Missouri is averaging at home 6.22 yards per play on the road. They're only averaging 5.11. Uh, defense, same story. Uh, at home, they're giving up 11.6 points a game. On the road, they're giving up 29 points a game. Uh, total defense at home, they're only giving up 237 yards a game. On the road, giving up 354. Uh, yards per play defense at home, they're only giving up 3.58 yards per play. And this might be the, the most dramatic split of them all. 3.58 yards per game allowed, uh, yards per play allowed at home. They're allowing 6.08 yards per play away from Columbia, Missouri. That is crazy stuff. Um, so this Missouri team, it's a very, very different team when they are on the road. Curtis, like when you see splits like that, how in the world do you account for that? Um, It really is unf- unfathomable. You don't really know. I mean – It defies logic. Like, yeah, I mean you, you sometimes you expect like a small difference but nothing this severe. And they haven't played like crazy difficult environments. Like, okay, they played at Wyoming, which is probably – and that was the opening week. It was a tough night game, and Wyoming doesn't really get Power 5 opponents. So they were up and ready, excited, whatever. But they lost at Vanderbilt. What? At Vanderbilt? And then at Kentucky in a, in a torrential downpour, there was hardly anybody in the stadium because it was just a monsoon there. So it's not like they're playing in these like ridiculous environments. They're not playing at LSU or at Alabama. We're talking about Wyoming? Vanderbilt and Kentucky in a monsoon and the splits are that dramatic. It's just, it's really 
hard to explain. It kind of defies logic, but it's it's a reality for me. We're not talking about one game. We're talking about two games. We're talking about three games. They're 0-3 on the road and just not performing anywhere close to the to the level they're performing when they're at home. And I don't know if you guys realize this. This game is away from Columbia, Missouri. It's in Athens, Georgia. So that is, that track record that Missouri has on the road right now, that's one big reason that I am confident in our chances in this game. Uh, the second reason that we kind of talked about this is Missouri's lack of pass rush. If they cannot get to Jake Fromm, I feel really confident in Fromm's ability to light them up uh, if we give Jake the chance to do that. I know we, people are, have been concerned about our receivers. I think some of those concerns have been relieved after we, what we saw last week, Lawrence Cager's return. But uh, if they can get after Jake, Jake has a, has a history of just really carving teams up when he's allowed to kind of operate from a clean pocket. And then the third reason I'm, I'm optimistic about our chances here is just our ability to stop the run. We are top five nationally. We went over Missouri as a very run-heavy team, and I'm just not sure they have the guys out wide to beat us if we make them play left-handed and make them one-dimensional in the passing. I just don't know if they have those guys. Albert O is really good. Jonathan Johnson is good from the, from the slot but on the outside. They don't have guys like Emmanuel Hall. They don't have guys like that that can consistently beat us and be a threat on the outside. So uh, I do like our chances there. And I, you know our guys are pissed off after last year, giving 172 yards and four touchdowns. They want to make amends there. All right, now the other side of the equation, Kurt, what are two reasons that we should be at least mildly concerned? Or let's just say two things that should concern us about this game. Uh, well, number one, I'm going to go with their experience in the back end. Um, you know, that can always make you nerve-wracking because you don't know if they're going to be able to come up and play press and force us into some other things. Um, so I think you always have to pay attention to that. And number two, I just – I'm really nervous. You don't want it to be a letdown. You know, you got the big win against Florida. You have Auburn next week. So you don't want them to look past this solid Missouri team. Yeah, the number one reason for concern for me, as I laid out in the intro to the show, is just the situation is set up. I don't want to go through all that again, but you guys know what I was saying there. Uh, it's a – Missouri team coming off a bye week, not only coming off a bye week, but coming off a bye week where they had two had a week to stew on, two horrible losses on the road to Vanderbilt, Kentucky, two teams they had no business losing to. This is a, an all-or-nothing type game for them. They still are mathematically alive in the SEC East race, even if they can't play in Atlanta. Uh, we get everyone's best shot. That's going to happen. That situation, that setup is concerning. And like you said, a, a potential emotional letdown for us after the big Florida game is always a possibility. So that's certainly a concern for me. And the second reason for concern for me is, is what they can do, like I said, from the slot. Alberto, Jonathan Johnson, those two guys, they know how to operate from that position. We've had our issues all year operating well, with teams that operate from the slot there, whether it's Cole Komet against uh, with Notre Dame, Murray State, we give a long touchdown pass in that game from the slot position where Mark Webb got beat. We saw what happened last week. Again, Mark Webb last week targeted seven times, got five catches of those seven targets for over 70 yards. And you know that Missouri saw that. They know what their personnel is. They know where we have some deficiencies in our pass defense, and they're going to target that. They're going to, and we're going to have to have an answer for that. So that is at least a – uh, a reason to be slightly concerned going into this mashup. And uh, all right, Kurt, last thing here. What is your one key to winning this football game? Um, To us, I think it is win the turnover battle. If we can win the turnover battle, I think we'll be in a good position to win. And so, so you think Missouri is like one of these teams that if we just don't gift them turnovers? Yeah, like South Carolina, or- what really killed us was the turnovers. If, if we have one, if we only turn them all over three times that game, we win, right? Yeah. Like one less turnover, we won that game. Um, it was just a perfect storm scenario. So I think you're right. I think Missouri, I think Missouri is better than South Carolina, but th- they should not be able to beat us in Athens at night unless we do stupid things like we did against South Carolina that essentially give the game away. I agree with you there. 
Um, my key to the game, though, I, I, in turnovers, is, like, it's always a key for sure, especially when you're playing a team that you are just superior to in terms of the talent level you bring to the table. But for me, I'm going to say if we can connect enough in the passing game, yes, statistically, Missouri's defense is very good. So this is statistically the best pass defense that we have faced. And we've had our issues throwing the football. We know that. We kind of fixed some of those last week, but let's hope to be able to carry that on the rest of the way. So if we can just connect enough in the passing game to make them pay for selling out to stop the run, which is what they're going to do, guys. We know that. We know how teams defend us. They're going to sell out early, and they're going to try to play some press on the outside, kind of mix in some cover three. And if we can make them pay enough for that, like we were – Against Florida, like we were able to do that against Florida last week, then I really like our chances to uh, to win this game. And I don't know if there's if we can if we can throw the football as well or even close to as well as we did against Florida last week. I'm not sure this Missouri defense is going to be able to stop us. And I think we can put up a, a big number offensively. I really do. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. We really appreciate you guys taking time to listen to us break down this big SEC East matchup against the Missouri Tigers. I know this game does not catch the average fan's attention the way that the Florida game did. It's not the huge national rivalry. It doesn't have as many implications, I guess, as the Florida game had. But there are still SEC East title implications involved in this game. No Missouri cannot go to the title game because they're under a bowl ban this year. But they absolutely can mess things up for us by beating us on Saturday night. They are good enough to do that if we do not come out ready to play our A game. So as fans, let's come out. Let's do our thing. Let's get there early. Let's be loud. Let's be proud. Let's make this a true home field advantage on a Saturday night between the hedges. And uh, let's hope that Kirby and company have these guys ready to play and our team's going to build off the momentum that we created last week in Jacksonville. And make sure to check back with us late Thursday night, early Friday, as we will have our Picks of the Week episode up and ready to go, where we will reveal our final picks for this game, both straight up and against the spread, along with all the other SEC games and select national games of interest. But thanks again, guys. We really appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>